Hello and welcome to the show your parents, the PTA and the asleep, don't want you to hear. The Helios blog. Today, Jordan Peterson gives the best relationship advice. This should be interesting. The reason she's alone is because she's difficult. Women are not accepting the bare minimum. Women fuck men they respect. All the women who say things like, I'm strong, independent, I don't need no man, like, y'all impress me. Women just gaslight each other and say what they want to hear. How many chances do you think you'll have in your life for, for like, a serious, high-quality, intimate relationship? Girls don't get that many. What do you guys think? How many chances are you going to have for that? Okay, that's good. That's good. Yeah, I would say you probably top out at about five. Okay. So. Okay, so, you know, that's not that many chances. Plus, you get old quick. You know, by the time you're 45, you're not going to have a family. And well, you can do that sometimes if you're male. If you're female, maybe, but it gets pretty rough. And you're looking probably at that point at a fair bit of in vitro and that sort of interaction. It's tough, it's hard on people. So, you know, not only do you not have that many chances, you don't have that much time. Right. For girls, you don't have infinite time to, uh, to waste. So you got to get it right. So if you get it wrong, it costs you. Like maybe it'll cost you five years. Five years is a long time. Yeah, a girl's... So when is a girl's, like, optimal reproductive window? Well, 18 to 28. Uh, girls reach geriatric pregnancy at, like, 32 or 33. And uh, their fertility sharply drops after 37. So, and three five-year costs is, like... You've lost things there that you can't replace. Okay, so that's one part of it is... You don't have that many chances, and it's costly to, to burn up the time. Okay, the second thing is... A divorce is very complicated. Like, it's not so bad if you get divorced to someone who's reasonable. But often the reason that you're getting divorced is that one or the other or both of you aren't that reasonable. And what that might mean is that you might be negotiating with someone whose basic goal is to make sure that you don't have another day of success in the next 20 years. And if that's their goal, they will attain it. Yeah, that's very rough. So you have to really watch out who you're getting into bed with, as it were. So, and there's lots of ways people do that, and they usually do it by holding their children hostage. And people will definitely do that. They do it all the time, you know. So... You want to avoid that. And then, you know, then, of course, it's hard on the relationship you have with your children. And, like, that's, those are probably the most relation, important relationships you have in your life. You know, it's like, might be parents, might be siblings, might be your, your partner, might be your kids. But I think when it comes right down to it, your parents are old, and so are you, but your kids aren't. And they're just as close. Plus, they need you. And so you start twisting and messing that about, boy. It's hard on your psyche. It's hard on the kids, too. So, you know... So then I'm just thinking about that and what you said about how that's a cost. If you, if you mess it up, that, and that's like a five-year cost, that's a cost you, right? Oh, and it might be a 15-year cost if you're in a custody battle, and it yeah. will cost you a quarter of a million dollars. Right. Yeah, you, you can't really afford that. You'll get 
annihilated. Right. Or, or let's more. say, yeah, but like, is it then, would you say, like being a psychologist, that it's better for people to like pursue a relationship that's like not good, that continue to do that and possibly incur further costs than it is to just cut it off? Because it wouldn't divorce Okay, it's a complicated question. What I would say is, don't make the kind of mistakes that get you into such a stupid relationship to begin with. Yeah, a lot of girls, they look at guys that are walking red flags and they're like, they think it's okay, right? Which is obviously a disaster. Like, if the guys are walking red flag, you probably shouldn't, you know, have bedroom fun with him and have a relationship with him. You shouldn't even have friends with benefits with a guy. It's stupid. Like, because you're incurring costs. Again, a lot, a lot of these girls in 2023, like, that's the reason they're miserable. is because they get with a guy that's above their pay grade, and then they wonder why they're miserable. Well, you're miserable because you made the stupid decision to be with a guy who's above your pay grade, right? Like, at most, a girl can get a guy who's, let's say, two points more attractive than her, 1.5 if they're being conservative, for a long-term relationship and eventual marriage. You can't get a guy who's four points above you or five points above you. You can't. It's impossible. He's just using you for bedroom fun. Okay, because that's the answer to that question. And the way you do that is by trying not to delude yourself any more than is absolutely necessary. That's right. And that means when you're in the damn relationship, tell the person the truth and try to figure out what the truth is for you. And don't put up with any nonsense and stand up for yourself. And also aim towards the good. You know, if you do all those things, then your relationship is probably going to work. If you're trying to do all those things, really, and you have a partner that will not do that, then leave. But it's a rare person who won't do that if they're stepped along the way properly and they learn how to do it. Now, not everyone's like that, because you do run into some people who are basically devoted towards mayhem and trouble. You know, but usually, you know, a person is a balance of striving for the good and, you know, messing about in the hell. And, you know, you're both like that when you start a relationship and you try to tilt it towards the good. And then you won't run into that problem. So, but you have to do that right from the beginning of the relationship, you know. It doesn't take that much to corrupt a relationship so that it's not really salvageable. Enough mistakes, three or four acts of infidelity. Right, exactly. Again, as I said, if you want... So there are three relationship strategies that guys can take. For girls, there's only one, which is monogamy. All the other strategies are terrible. For, for men, there's three. And they, they depend on what your goals are, right? So let's say you're 18 to 28 years old as a guy. There's only two strategies you should take, really. The third is for when you're older. So when you're 18 to 28 as a guy, there's two strategies. There's multiple friends with benefits or NMG, non-monogamous girlfriends. So your monogamous and your girls, uh, sorry, your non-monogamous and your girls are monogamous. That's the, uh, those are the only two that are good. But for a girl, if you're doing any strategy, if, if you're participating in uh, non-monogamous relationships with, with a guy, you're probably going to get crushed. But again, a guy who is doing like, let's say, NMG or even Friends with Benefits, if he sees that you're a good girl, um, if he's really convinced and he's not, you know, let's say 18 years old, he'll stick with you, right? Or if, you know, if he's not an obvious player, 
And that's the thing, right? A lot of girls, they don't even know how to spot an obvious player, right? They don't know how to spot a guy who, obviously, what he wants to do is get as many girls as possible. But here's your hint, girls. If he's too smooth, probably he's a natural player or or he's a well-practiced player. Yeah, that guy, he's probably not going to commit to you long-term. You're done. You're not going to come back from that because the fundamental element of trust has been removed. And then you can't communicate with the person because you don't know if they're telling you the truth. And then you don't know if you're dealing with reality. And if you're not dealing with reality with your partner, it's like, good luck fixing that. It's like you're working on a ghost car while the real one is sitting in the shop with the motor out, you know. It's not going to get you anywhere. So a lot of the issue is don't get in the trouble to begin with. Indeed. If you are in the trouble, well, then you try to straighten yourself out and see if you can fix it. Well, if you can't, your options aren't great. And it depends on the particularities of the situation. Now, I have people that I counsel. It's like, leave that person. And the rule is... They're lying to you, they aren't aiming up, and you won't be able to tolerate being with them for 10 years without becoming resentful, alcoholic, and homicidal. So that's a bad outcome, there's nothing you can do to avoid it, so you might as well leave. But you know, you have to have that sorted out, it has to be the truth, because it's no fun, it's no good to leave someone who's struggling. In in the lurch, you know, and you think, well, I'm with this person, they're not going anywhere, you know, maybe they have an alcohol problem, and they're resentful, it's like, but I'm all they've got. Well, they bloody well better want to to fix that, because you're not going to be able to fix it. All that'll happen is you'll end up in the same place. Now, if they really want to fix it, more than anything, and they're willing to tell the truth about it, and willing to interact with you, then there's a ghost of a chance you might pull through it. But it's very hard to fix someone, and it's really hard to fix someone who does not want to be fixed. And there's lots of people like that. So So you should avoid the people who are incorrigible, the people that cannot be corrected, that can't be fixed, that can't be helped. That's wise. I'm just going to say, like, personally, I know my parents, of course, were three. So um, I know that a lot of... Say like you're harming the kids if you um, get divorced, and I've I've had to deal with a lot of like the tension between like choosing your parent and which one to agree with. But um, when everyone asks like do you like are you upset they got divorced, I'm like I I see how much they fight now, and I can't imagine having that happen like 24 seven and being in that household. Yeah, well, this is why there isn't an answer to the question. There's it depends on the particularities of the situation. And so, a lot, there's, there's lots of situations where a general answer doesn't suffice. But I would say, it is, this is a tough one. I can tell you what's happened since the divorce laws got, got liberalized. The first thing that happens is that all of you are going to be divorced at about the same rate as people would have 30 years ago. Because rich people still get married. And they generally don't get divorced. Poor people do not get married. And that's like 60% of the population, and it's ramping up quick. And there's no evidence whatsoever that that's anything but catastrophic. So kids... Right. If you're... (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Poor people don't get married um, because they can't afford it, right? Um, They just, you know, have kids, and it's very bad. And uh, people with money, uh, they divorce at a lower rate than the average population. But... um, 
and that's because they understand the consequences more. Who are raised by single parents do not do as well. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't some single parents who are doing a stellar job. Obviously there are, and there's some married parents that do a terrible job. That's not the issue. The issue is the bulk of the evidence, and the bulk of the evidence strongly suggests that children who are raised with two parents do better. Well, duh. Why? Well, why? It's impossible to raise children. Jesus, they're expensive, they're troublesome, they're smart, and they're useless. You know, so, and you've got them for 20 years. It's like, you're going to do that by yourself? Sure you are. You know, you're going to be working at a horrible job 40 hours a week or more, like a retail job, for example, where they just treat you like a slave. And then you're going to go home to your miserable kids exhausted. It's like, that's not fun. And, you know, it's increasingly the norm for huge chunks of our population. Like, elitist liberal types, like all of you, for example, don't pay much attention to what happens to people who are actually poor. But as far as I can tell, it's been a bloody catastrophe for them. You know, there's an old saying, when the upper class gets a cold, the lower class gets pneumonia. Right. And, you know, the thing about that saying, it's true. It's like it's not a metaphor. It's literally the case. If an epidemic sweeps through a population... Then the poorest people die, which is why they're called the poor, the unfortunate. The population dies from the poor people upward, because they're so damn stressed. So, you know, I would say, with regards to marriage, I've been married a long time. It's just about 26 years now, you know, and I've noticed a bunch of things about marriage. One is, two brains are better than one. And so if you actually communicate with your partner... Because they're not like you. It's like you have a corpus callosum between you, you know, and they'll tell you things that you don't understand, you know, like when you're being stupid, you know. In a t- yeah, okay. And now, now Jordan's going to go into how uh, his wife basically implies that he's stupid and that's a great thing. Well, no, but anyway. Typically feminine way, say or typically masculine way, or in whatever stupid way you manage to be stupid. They'll point that out to you, you know. And that can be really helpful, even though it's extremely annoying. You know, and they can help you make decisions and they're a good place to they're a good place to confess to. Well, no, you shouldn't, but anyway. Uh, and with regards to the decision, they're a trusted advisor, but they're not number one, right? They you know, you you are the one. That's supposed to make that decision, the final decision. You know, and it's really helpful when you're trying to figure out how to discipline children so that you're not a pathetic milksop who lets them run all over you or right. some tyrant who, you know, likes to beat them with a stick when they sneeze. You know, hopefully you kind of find some Happy pleasant middle yes, ground. That's right. And it's a lot easier to do that with two people than with one. And then they can spell you off when you're exhausted, particularly useful if you have small children, because you will be exhausted when you have small children. You know, plus the narrative of your life has continuity. And that's nice. You know, and if your home is set up properly, it's actually a pleasure to go to it. You know, it is a it is a buttress against the chaotic and, and uncaring external world. That's it? exactly right. That's that is the biggest benefit of, I would say, monogamy, really. Is that what Jordan is describing there? The world really doesn't care about you at all. And you have to really, really struggle and fight to get what you want out of the world. And I mean, we're, it's very externalized now, right? Where it's like, you're not really directly fighting nature to get what you want like it used to be. You don't have to like cut the trees or, you know, 
um, rip out the weeds and make sure that the plants are growing and watered and the animals are okay and all that. You, you know, it's not like that. It's It's more like you do some externalized job for some corporation or whatever or, or the, yeah some corporation or the government you get money which is like your power level it's like your ability to fight against the external reality and you use that to to you know purchase the things that normally you'd go out and kill or hunt or grow yourself or you know you you do some some of that yourself plus um plus also um, buying stuff. External world, in many ways, doesn't give a damn about you. Right. You know. So if you go home and oh, sorry, sorry. So, so the the um, what what I where I was going with this is when you're in that sort of relationship, you actually do have some kind of buffer from that. You know, going out and you know, murdering nature to, like, survive, at least you have a place to go to where, you know, you can have a calm, comfortable, nice experience, as it were. Set up reasonably well. It's like, hey, you've got somewhere to belong. That's not so bad. Um, this uh, another, um, another related situation that has personal relevance for me and might for other people, too, that... Um, in, in many situations, like when something bad happens, uh, you know, okay, yeah, I've got to do some kind of reparative thing, right? And uh, so say it's like a health scare, you go, okay, i got to work on my diet. And then it's a divorce, it's like, all right, well, I've got to work through why I didn't think I was headed for a divorce for the last 20 years, but now it just happened. And, but, but in some situations, people know they got to repair, but they don't want to get something that would actually be repairing. So they go to people who are specialists in, like, other areas of, of like personal psychological dealing and stuff like that, anything but divorce, like attention deficit, work on your attention skills, or like work on these, uh, uh, or like um, assertiveness training or something like that. But like they're not, they're like they're diligently avoiding the heart of the matter. And well, what would you okay. make of that? And, and if you were in a family with somebody like that, is there something you can do? Well, you know, some situations are like Humpty Dumpty, right? There's no putting it back together. Yeah. Now. But, again, in terms of avoidance of those situations, it's like, you think about that hierarchy again. Well, divorce is a low-resolution, high-impact solution. Because it just tears a chunk of that hierarchy out and throws it away. That's a lot, and it's costly. It's going to hurt you. Okay, so then you think, well, what, what might you do instead of that? And the real answer is solve the damn problems as they arise. You know, and This is why it's good to be low in agreeableness. Uh, because you actually will bring up and talk about those things you don't want to talk about, even though you, you have to talk about it. That's hard, and it, it requires drilling down. It really requires drilling down. So one of the things I want to build, for example, which I haven't built yet, it's kind of like going to be like this future authoring thing that you guys do. I want to build a problem-solving matrix for, for couples. Like, because it, here's how not to get divorced from your wife. Figure out how to set the table proper. Oh, my Lord. What does that mean? It's really, really complicated. It's like, who's going to cook? When are they going to cook? Why are they cooking? How should you respond to it? Who buys groceries? What are the groceries going to be? Who's going to put them away? How do you say thanks when someone does something for you in the domestic environment? 
And what's happened, and this is part of the death of God, roughly speaking, is that the roles are gone. Yeah, the, the most the most important thing I would say with regards to that is um, just think of behaviorism. So, as, as I said, B.F. Skinner did the the most for relationships out of any psychologist or any scientist, in, in my opinion. So, his principle is there is no such thing as the mind; there is only behavior, right? So, and and there are there there's um, a, a reinforcement and there's punishment, right? So. The behavior that you like to see, you you reinforce, and the behavior that you don't like to see, you either punish if it's severe, or you don't reinforce it. And over time, you get what you want, right? That's the, that's the idea. So just think about that paradigm when you live your life. Okay, so somebody talks to you, and you don't like it. What do you do? Well, you could ignore the person, which was is a form of punishment. Uh, if you, you know, or choose to associate with people that don't, you know, don't do that kind of stuff. Yep, that works. Or when that person that you don't like talks to you in a way that you like, you reward it in some way, and then that behavior tends to continue because people like receiving rewards as opposed to receiving nothing, effectively. Okay. And they blame their misery and resentment on the fact that women won't have anything to do with them. Well, the women are making them self-conscious for not being all they should be. Because the women think, why should I bother with you if you're not the embodiment of the spirit that will move into the unknown and, and face the Leviathan? Which is exactly what she should be saying. And right, exactly. I, I agree entirely. You're thinking, well, I don't want to have anything to do with that, but I'd like women to like me anyways. It's like, well... Well, too bad. <laughs> like, one is the active spirit and one is the passive spirit. And sorry, you were born as the active one. So if you're not doing your job, I don't know what to tell you. Good luck with that. So that doesn't work out, right? And that's exactly what happens when God finds out that Adam and Eve have become self-conscious. The, one of the first things he says is, jigs up now, man, you're going to be working forever. Forever. Toiling forever. Working hard or dying. Your choice. It's your destiny. There's no escaping from it. Well, human beings work. What does that mean? They sacrifice the present for the future. Yep, yep, yep. Exactly. So people keep asking, like, you know, how, you know, how do I do well with, with girls or whatever? Well, the irony is you do well with girls by not, like, it's not really about the girls. It's actually about you. Like, when you work on yourself and you become the kind of guy that other men respect, and and then it's not just one girl that wants to be with you, it's all girls, and then you can, you know, take your pick, basically. So, it's not really about them, it's actually about you, funnily enough. And that's partly, as soon as this happens, like the, the next story, which is Cain and Abel, you see the motif of sacrifice emerge, right? That story circulates around the motif of sacrifice. Sacrifice the present for the future. Well, what's the price you pay? You don't get the present. Right. That's a big price, right? Because what you do is what you're doing essentially is you're taking all the potential suffering of the future and putting it into the present all the time. Well, so what happens? Well, maybe you live longer and you live healthier, but you're not without the burden that that puts on you. Right, right. I, I didn't even consider that, but that's, that, is, that is actually accurate. That's what you're doing. I was, you know, I was wondering, why is it that when you exercise, you feel pain, but actually you, you get stronger? Like, you hurt yourself every single day to get stronger? Like, it, it seems very bizarre. But actually, 
It's what Jordan is describing here. You take the suffering of the disease you are going to have in the future and you put it in the present. That's effectively what you're doing, right? You're making yourself suffer so that you don't suffer that. It's like, it's like um, I'm sure you've heard this expression before. You suffer the misery of, um, you know, of uh, the gym or you, or you suffer the misery of disease later, right? There's very little difference between self-consciousness and shame. In fact, if you do psychomet... It's, it's like the, the, what is it? The pain of suffering or the pain of regret? Metric analysis of the state of self-consciousness, it loads with neuroticism. So it loads with anxiety and emotional pain. So to become self-conscious, what does it mean to become self-conscious? It, me becomes, it means you become aware, one way of thinking about it is you become aware of your vulnerability... Or another is that you become aware of your insufficiency. Okay, so let's say that you're standing up in front of a crowd talking and you become self-conscious. What happens? Well, first of all, you can't talk anymore. The second is you kind of fall inside. The third is you feel ashamed. And the fourth is that you retreat and you look down. So it's a low status uh, operation and it's associated with heightened anxiety. And so then you might say, well, why would you become self-conscious before a crowd? Well, the answer is... They can see you, right? And they can judge you and you can make an error in front of them and you can make a fool of yourself. So they put you down that you can, you can display yourself in a manner that ratchets you down the dominance hierarchy. That's to right. Uh, because you're being judged by so many people at once. But again, it's, it's a high, high risk, high reward activity. Become self-conscious. And so, well, at least you have the advantage of being covered up in front of the crowd. But let's say all of a sudden you're stripped of your clothes so what's the problem with that? Well, all of your insufficiencies, let's say, are on painful display. You can be evaluated by everyone. But even more importantly than that, if possible, is that clothes actually protect the most vulnerable parts of you. Human beings are upright animals, right? We're very strange animals. You take a cat or a dog, they're basically armored. The part of them that you see, their back is heavily armored, heavily protected. Human beings stretched upright. And so the softest part of, parts of us are there for display. Well, what would you want to be king? You could say king. There you go. All right. Uh, let's end the video there. Very interesting insights in this one. Uh, hit the like, hit the sub, hit all for notifications, drop me a donation like Hunter M, Adrian R, Tom M, Bobby, Dylan, Renaissance Press, and Brian, shout out to you, most recent Patreon subscriber. Again, uh, you can buy my books at bit.ly slash heliosbooks. My Patreon is patreon.com slash the heliosblog. If you'd like coaching, message me at the heliosblog at gmail.com, I'll slot you right in. Thank you so much for listening, guys, especially if you listen to the end, I really do appreciate it. Take care of yourselves, and I'll see you next time.